my parents moved to Long Island when I was 10. So we moved out of an all-black neighborhood into an all-white neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So the the whole West Indian thing that was out the window in so that context. Just black I was on just Long Island. I was that's right. I was I was black and I was the only I was the only black kid in my class. When I was in the fifth grade, I walked into this classroom and um, I walked into the classroom. I was assigned and the kids all said, this is 5-1. Are you in the right place? Are you in the right place? So I said, is this the smartest class? <laughs> and they, they said, yeah. And I said, yeah. And I didn't figure out until sometime later on down the road that they were like, just they were insulting me mm-hmm. um, because I thought, well, that's where I'm supposed to be, right? Socially, as a black boy in an all-white environment, one learns about race very quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, there were, I, there were houses I couldn't go to. There were dads who would, like, grab their little girls when I would, when I would walk down the street. I would, people would call me, you know, they would, mm-hmm. call, they would call me names. And there were three of us. They were myself and my, my two brothers. And my, my middle brother actually got it worse than I do because he's darker complected. Mm-hmm. But it was a it was a tough road to hoe. So in some ways, the black sort of immigrant identity that I developed was developed in opposition to how I was being characterized by both students and teachers in this all white suburban school. By the time I was ready to go to college, I was I was anti-war and I was I was for the time fairly radical. Mm-hmm. So. I lived on Long Island, too, and, you know, being that eldest immigrant child growing up in largely white suburbs and factory towns, by the time I went to college, I really had stifled any real sense of myself as as an immigrant, as a person of color. Honestly, I was trying to fit in and survive, and, I mean, things would happen like when I was 13 none of the white girls showed up at my birthday party, like things like that would happen. And I would stew about them for a while and then let them go because there wasn't anybody to help me like understand why would that happen. And so when I got to college, by the time I got to college, I really had no consciousness and had not pursued anything political. But my second year in college, there was a racial justice campaign that was starting on our campus, and my friends, Yuko and Valerie, I was hanging out with them one night. There was a rally the next day. They wanted me to go to the rally. And I said to them what I typically said. They're both women of color and both my very good friends today. I said, I'm not interested in that. You know, that doesn't have anything to do with me. And they did an intervention on me and gave me a talking to. And the way it ended was like this. They said, Rinku, you're not a girl anymore. You're a woman now. And you're not a minority. You're a person of color. And I had never heard person of color before, those three words. And I had sort of carried on like, yes, I'm a minority. And I went to the rally. And for the first time since we had immigrated, I felt like I had I belonged. Like, these are my people. I belong here. And it's just an ease of feeling. You know, it's more like an absence of discomfort than a presence of super comfort at that stage because it's still new. I didn't know any of the people. and But I felt I recognized them. I recognized the people at that rally somehow. And... As in most social change work, if you express any interest and you have even the tiniest bit of competence at doing anything, 
you get a lot of jobs quickly. So I got to start doing things, you know, organizing events and giving speeches and running meetings and raising money. And I got a lot of experience very quickly. And we won that campaign. And before that year ended, the women activists on campus did another really quite brilliant mini campaign to address sexual violence. And we got together right after spring weekend, decided to do a women's speak out, 120 women making decisions by consensus. We spent four hours arguing about whether or not we would trample the newly planted grass on, on the green and ultimately decided no trampling of the grass. And our women's speak out that we had um, scheduled for one hour went on for four and a half. We got two fraternities kicked off campus. We got a dusted-on shuttle service. So in nine months, I got a racial consciousness and I got a feminist consciousness, like, all packed together. And I got the experience of organizing and winning. It's I don't think it happens like that for everybody, for sure. But I think the concentration of it in that short period of time really... It made race and gender my first lenses, and it committed me to organizing. One of the things that I remember about when I finally actually thought I was an organizer was in that first campaign that I worked on in D.C. when I was a trainee, and uh, it was a furniture campaign. So we were trying to get furniture out of the state that people were entitled to, Mm -hmm. and uh, the cops were lined up um, in front of the D.C. Welfare Department, and George Wiley said to me, and this and this guy, Bruce Thomas, we should go through the cops. I'm like 18, 19 years old. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so we run through, and we, we run upstairs, and we, we, we open up so people can then get into the building. And the cops grab me, drag me up to a stairwell. And one, I remember this so vividly. One of them has their baton, and they're ready to hit me. And one of the women who I had worked with, you know, in my first organizing campaign comes to the bottom of the stairs, points her finger at the cop and says, don't you hurt that boy. He's my organizer. And there was nothing there was nothing like that. Um, It was like my identity. It was like my connection. It was everything. Mm -hmm. It's one of the more beautiful processes I've observed human beings going through, kind of locating their own power and really addressing what needed to be changed and then changing it. It had a transformative effect on me, and I've seen it repeated so many times that it's, there. you know, there are certainly worse ways to spend your life than getting to observe that and help that happen again and again and again.